0: After 26 years of writing about Jack Reacher, who wanders from place to place, solving mysteries, doling out justice, then leaving town, it is author Lee Child's turn to ride off into the sunset, or at least perhaps to retire to the couch to read and to listen to music and smoke. (laughs) The 28th Jack Reacher novel is out today. This is the fourth book written in collaboration with Lee's brother Andrew. And now Lee is handing over the reins to the novels completely, but not before a return to Jack Reacher's roots as a military police officer working to solve a series of murders in the latest book, which is a prequel set in 1992. It's called The Secret, a Jack Reacher novel, and Lee and Andrew Child join me now. Hi, guys. Hi, Jesse. How are you? Great, thanks. Thanks. Lovely to meet you both. Good morning, Jason. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Yeah, nice to talk to you, Andrew. And congratulations, Lee. Does it feel appropriate to be talking to New Zealand, given how quickly and lovingly we embraced the Jack Reacher novels, arguably before the rest of the world?
1: You bet. I mean... New Zealand is my favourite place on earth, the world capital of Richard Madness. They <laughs> were onto to it it's three books in and have never let up since. I think that the entire population plus most of the
0: sheep get a copy. So we, we love New Zealand. <laughs> and in terms of life-changing moments for you, Lee, is letting go of Jack, does it feel as big as creating him was back in 1997? You were, I think, Basically forced to redefine yourself back then as an author after being made redundant from the TV.
1: Yeah, I lost my job and turned to writing as the uh, as the antidote, you know, to keep food on my table. And yeah, it feels uh, it feels really weird uh, to be stepping back now and Andrew taking over, especially because this new one, The Secret, is really good. And so my worst fears are coming true. <laughs> he is better than me.
0: Uh, it's horrible. Good time to put the feet up and watch a bit of uh, Aston Villa. They're having a good season. They're having a great season. Uh, I did that yesterday, watched them, and it was a great game. Loved it. Andrew, you are not Lee's son. You're his brother, but you're 15 years younger. Do you think there's an element of the next generation taking the wheel here?
2: Yeah, I think so. And I think that's uh, something that's really helped us with this transition, because in many ways, you know, we're we're just alike. We're very, very similar. But um, I was growing up in a slightly different environment and a different world. So, you know, I think that's equipped me really well to take the baton and, and move Reacher forward into into the 21st century. So, you know, it's, it's a foot in both camps. Plenty that's the same, but then a little bit that's different too, just to keep everything new and fresh.
0: When your brother asked you to take over the series, did you say uh, yes to him? Was that because you you wanted the Jack Reacher to keep going, or, or just because you spotted a challenge and you boys don't back down from a challenge?
2: Well, you know the challenge part is huge. Um, I can never back down from a challenge. I've got in so much trouble over the years. Anything that even feels like it might possibly be a challenge. I can't walk away from. You know, our dad used to kind of trick me into doing stuff when I was little by saying in it, you know, he'd it, say it loudly, but you know, just within earshot, you know, oh, Andrew will never be able to do that. And I'll guarantee <laughs> I'd do it twice you know and, and take photographs so i've got in so much trouble doing that but the main thing was you know pre-pandemic when uh, book launches were always done in public at bookstores uh, i would go to all of lee's and i remember on about the third book you know because the first book could be a standalone the second could be a sequel by the time you get to the third you know there's a good chance that the series is taking hold and someone in the audience asked how many books are you going to write and Lee said twenty-one, kind of as a nod to John D. Macdonald. Mm. And you could see people doing the sums. They were, you know, they were working it out. Okay, so he's gonna do twenty-one. We've done we've done three. That's fine, plenty to go. But over the years, every single time. Somebody asked that same question, and every single time it was the same answer. And the closer we got to 21, and in fact, when we went past 21, you could feel the temperature in the room would drop, and you would see this look of horror on people's faces. (laughs) be another Jack Reacher. And I felt exactly, I knew how they felt because I'm the oldest Jack Reacher fan in the world. I was the first person ever to read a Reacher book. And I know what it is like looking forward to the next installment. And I just couldn't, A, I couldn't face a world where that didn't happen. And B, I certainly couldn't if it was going to be my fault because I'd said no. So Mm -hmm. in the end, it was one of those decisions that kind of made itself
0: and for people who haven't heard your story, you wrote under the name Andrew Grant um, for some time. And, and presumably, you know, during while you were writing those books, nine books, I think, you were taking great care not to sound like your brother. A- and now there's a bit of a swerve, I imagine, because you want that continuity of voice.
2: Exactly. And, you know, that's a, that's a particularly good question for New Zealand, because there's actually another author in New Zealand called Andrew Grant. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> that was, you know, those sort of. There were two Andrew Grants out there, and the, and the, the nine books that I wrote. Absolutely, you know, I wanted to succeed on my own right, in my own right. I didn't want anybody to think it was a sort of, you know, any way connected to to what my brother was doing. So I made certain to write it with a different style and a different voice. And um, you know, after doing that for nine books, it was quite a swerve. It was difficult to uh, completely change direction and and write it such that hopefully. Nobody can tell the difference. So uh, yeah, that's been that's been a big challenge.
0: And Lee, you have to say goodbye to Jack Reacher. Although fair to say, it's not going to be that painful for you. I don't know how how close do you feel you were to Jack?
1: Very close, but you get rid of him early. <laughs> uh, you know, it, ha- it happened 20 years ago. Really, in New Zealand, it happened with book three the reader owns the character at that point Mm. you have you have you have a large readership it's happening in their head at that point not my head and therefore the reader takes possession of the character the ownership migrates outward and so really to be an author with any kind of success you experience that very early. The character is kind of taken away from you in the sense that it becomes common property. So it's not the huge wrench that I thought it might be. It's really a continuation of that, that the readers own the character. They love him. They deserve him. And now Andrew is for, is serving their need instead of me serving it. And so it doesn't feel that huge of a
0: thing to me now. And did you start sort of designing yourself to be replaceable?
1: Well, you know, theoretically, I always wanted Reacher to be the brand. Uh, We even kicked around the idea of not putting any author name on it at all. Uh, It's about the character. It's about that guy. And the author is very secondary
0: to that. Andrew, for The Secret, the villains are two women, uh, two sisters. What inspired that that plot and, and, and Reacher's latest adversaries?
2: Well, you know, the the starting point was an article that Lee and I both came across actually independently a few years ago, um, talking about um, how all across Russia and East Europe, uh, there was this succession of respectable, well-dressed, well-to-do people. Dying in weird, mysterious circumstances, falling out of windows, tripping downstairs, drowning when they were out with their boat. In fact, I just read a story today about someone who was critical of the war in Ukraine who died because she accidentally fell out of a tree. And, uh, you know, this, we, we came across these stories a while ago and mm-hmm. we thought that they were fantastic um, they had just had so much potential for a fantastic story. And when we we thought about how we could use that, we just decided to slightly change it so that it wasn't that a whole load of people had already been killed and Richard had to find out why. We thought it would be more fun to have, but only a couple had been killed. the The, the killers were still out there, still active, still coming up with these bizarre and inventive ways of, of killing people and Risha had to track them down and stop him. So it became more of a game of cat and mouse rather than just the crimes are in the past and he has to figure out what happened.
0: And one of the sisters, one of them tells the victim, quote, men have a long history of underestimating women. Uh, if you didn't, maybe more of you would be alive. However, that, I think, fair to say, that isn't true of Jack Reacher. Jack Reacher has always respected women. What What is it about him that makes him different in that way, do you think?
1: I think that he uh, he's a sort of post-feminist in that sense, hmm. that he takes it as automatic. Of course, all people are equal. doesn't matter what gender you are or, or what, how big you are or small you are. Everybody's equal and he takes he doesn't make a big deal out of it he just assumes it and of course that has a flip side too uh, as we find out in this book um, he doesn't give you any doesn't do you any favors if you're his enemy and you're a woman you get it just the same as if you were a man
0: <laughs> i'm talking to lee and andrew childs about jack reacher the new book is called the secrets a jack reacher novel about two sisters and obviously he explores various elements of the sibling relationship. Um, what makes your relationship with Andrew so unique, Lee, that that you've been able to collaborate on four books and that you've been able to trust him with Reacher?
1: Well, because we are brothers in the sense that we share a DNA and we share a background and all that kind of thing, but we were never siblings in the house together, which makes a huge difference, I think. You know, he never broke my toys (laughs) i never broke his toys we we never squabbled in, in that childhood sense because i was so much older and um you know literally by the time he was walking and talking and was a person of his own i was gone and so i kind of met him later and uh recognized a kindred spirit. He was suffering from the same things I had suffered from as a kid. We had a very boring and repressive upbringing in our family, and we were both uh, anxious to get out. And I think I was able to represent a kind of example. I had escaped, and that gave him hope that he could escape. And so we were pretty tight right from the very beginning. In fact, I remember when he was maybe five or six or something like that, I was visiting and he was in trouble for something and I defended him and I said, don't worry, kid, I'll watch your back. And he said to me in his little six year old voice, and I'll watch your back. Mm. And it's kind of been like that ever since. And the collaboration, really, I was thinking about that this morning. The collaboration actually goes back to day one. He didn't know that then. But because we're friends and we talk and we hang out and we find the same things Upsetting or amusing or annoying or whatever. His input, he didn't know it at the time, but his input influenced the series. And I think hopefully in the future he's writing them and my input will sort of influence it in the same way. It'll be a perfect mirror image, really, of how we always used to do it.
0: There is a bit of a parent-child dynamic there, Andrew, I think. You, You once said you always used to feel like you were an only child with five parents.
2: Well, in a way, you know, due to the you know, the way that the age gap worked in our family. But just listening to you guys talk there, something else hit me, you know, thinking about me as that little kid growing up in Birmingham, England, you know, with these that, that particular example we mentioned, there was me with a problem. And what happened? An outsider swooped in, sorted the problem, and then left. <laughs> Does that sound like anybody we know? <laughs>
0: um Lee was a good fun to go back to nineteen ninety two for this Setting, um, fax machines, pages before nine eleven, and and reach are a little different too. I think maybe not as much of a loner as he'll later become.
1: Yeah, you know, as as a, from an author's point of view, normally what you do year by year, you make him a little older, a little wiser, mm. a little more experienced each year, and a prequel gives you the chance to to jump back and make him a little more optimistic maybe a little less cynical maybe just a younger character and yeah in that social setting he has to work with other people he's in the army he he has bosses he, he has subordinates he has peers and he has to relate to them all so it is a different environment for him and it's a lot of fun to dump him back in there and and work it out I'm sure in the future you know he'll carry on in in the current day and we Andrew will probably do more prequels because they they really are a lot of fun but I got to say the technology aspect that 1992 is already modern for me I'm a, I'm terrible at that <laughs> and um, so you know I totally rely on Andrew to bring him into the 21st century because I think that readers like it if the character is a little behind the times, because it means the reader doesn't feel inadequate yeah. or or uninformed. But Reacher was practically 19th century in his approach to technology. So it, it's really time to bring him into the modern world. And Andrew can do that because his head is there much more than mine is.
0: Part of the fun, of course, is, is um, seeing what Jack Reacher can do, what he can achieve, um, an almost superhuman quality. And I wonder... Andrew, do you have a plausibility standard for reacher? I mean, most readers, Leah said, have their own standards for how much implausibility they can handle. Do you have a, a, a kind of a benchmark um, that you use when you're writing?
2: You know, Jesse, that's an excellent question, and I think when you think when you're talking about reacher in particular, it's even more relevant because reacher is big, strong, good at fighting, good at investigating, good at solving problems, you know, he's good at more or less everything. So um, you've really got to be careful, because you have to give him uh, an enemy that is worthy of him. But then how do you do that without making the enemy kind of crazily over over capable. And so we we have a thing that we call um, villain inflation, you know, what we're very aware of is if you <laughs> write a book where you have a villain who's going to set off a Bomb in New York City. What do you do in the next book? Do you have him set off two bombs in Los Angeles? Then do you have four bombs in Washington? You know, how do you avoid that getting out of control, especially when you're looking at a long-running series? So what we try to do is find a way to make that enemy worthy of Reacher, to make Reacher's defeat of that enemy a challenge, but without making that enemy too ridiculous. And so what we try and do is look for something human, look for something on an, on an everyday scale that every. Everybody can relate to so give that enemy some kind of motivation that we can all recognize so it might be avenging a a wronged father for example you know it could be somebody that's just horrible a bully you know somebody that you recognize from your own workplace or your own social life and so rather than amp up the kind of external you know oh my god look at this enormous Mm -hmm. bomb the guys get this terrible plot you know make it something that uh, you know is Big enough and horrible enough to make the reader relish, you know, the inevitable moment when Reacher takes the guy down, but make it characteristics that are human and recognizable and relatable. So that's the way we're going to try and do it. And we don't have a sort of written down standard for that. I think it's more of an instinctive thing. You know, you have to just rely on what you, uh, you know, we all, you know, writers are all first and foremost readers you know we all know what we would tolerate and what we would accept in the books that we enjoy reading so you just have to try to carry that instinct and that experience into your own writing and come up with a villain that is satisfyingly bad but without becoming cartoonish and incredible
0: i think you're both in the states at the moment Uh, do you have to work hard to keep Reacher apolitical, someone that both Liberals and Conservatives, who perhaps have never been further away from each other, uh, can agree on?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, what I've always did was just present Reacher as as he was, and both sets of people like him. And so you don't want to upset that necessarily. Uh, you know, these are not political books. We're not trying to change anybody's mind, but I suppose to some extent we're trying to say, this is one way of reacting to the world, Uh, do you agree with it or don't you? And a lot of people do. And I think essentially that illustrates the stupidity of the divide because most people feel the same about things. Most people want to do the right thing. They want to help you out. Obviously, there's a fringe of lunatics on both sides of the equation, but the mass of people in the center are badly misrepresented. Uh, You know, neither party really works for them. So what we really need is the Reacher Party. uh, (laughs) Yeah, where was the Reacher Party in our
0: general election a week ago? (laughs) If
1: he was real, he could run for president and he'd probably win.
0: Does it change anything, Andrew, now that a lot of people will picture Alan Richardson, the, um, the actor from the Amazon series, when they're reading your books? Does that change the writing for you at all?
2: I mean, that's a great, you know, I'm sure people will because Alan is doing such an amazing job portraying Reacher on on TV. He's really he's really got it. You know, he he does a fantastic job, but I don't think it will from my point of view, because uh, we're just looking forward to the launch of season two right now. But we've been living with Reacher as a kind of imaginary extra brother for more than a quarter of a century, you know, so um, the view that we have of him in our heads has been there for so long and is so deeply ingrained that uh, um, what what Alan's doing, uh, bringing him to life on the TV um, is wonderful, but it's not really going to, it's not going to change the way that we think of him or
0: that we view him. Lee, are you going to be happy on the sidelines for a couple of years? You don't have to do the hundreds of interviews, for one thing, but um, are you going to be happy? Um,
1: yeah, I, I really am. I mean, I felt that, you know, especially in America, people don't understand me at all because I, I'm British and therefore I have no work ethic. And <laughs> for me, retirement was a thing, you know. I it was a, It was clear to me all my life. When I started at primary school... My grandfather was retiring, and I didn't know what that word meant. And I asked my mother, what does that mean? And she said, well, he doesn't have to go to work anymore. He'll just stay at home now and do whatever he wants. And there was me struggling with reading and writing and arithmetic and all of that stuff. And I thought, you know what? That sounds like a pretty good deal. So in a way, I've been waiting to retire all my life. Uh, It's a
0: phase of your life that I'm going to enjoy. Andrew, could you kill Jack Reacher off? if you decided that was the best thing for the character... Well, you
2: know absolutely you know w- w- you know jack does what we want not not the other way around so if that was something that we decided to do then yeah we could but i don't see that happening anytime soon at least i certainly hope not because you know my goal is to um is to keep going with jack just as long as people want something that least said earlier you know our job is to give the readers what the readers want and as long as the readers want more reacher we will give it to them so long may that continue it's
0: is my view. Well, Lee from New Zealand, thank you for the hours of entertainment and escapism. Is there anything you'd like to say? It might be the last time New Zealand readers get to hear from you. Anything you'd like to say to Kiwi readers as you bid farewell to your part in Jack Reacher's life and and in his stories?
1: Yeah, I would just want to say thank you to everybody in New Zealand. What a warm welcome they gave Reacher. And what a warm welcome they gave me when I visited. I I think I came four times and I just had the most fantastic time there. It's a wonderful country full of wonderful people. Uh, Certainly a highlight of my life. You know, it's probably I I would have never gotten there, but I've been there. I've been treated like a king. I, uh, I love everybody there. And... It's sad to say goodbye, but I uh, I wish them all the best. And I do hope I get there one more time, maybe just as a private
0: tourist having fun. Well, the new book, the new Jack Reacher novel, the 28th in the series, is out today. It's called The Secret, a Jack Reacher novel. And I've been speaking to co-authors Lee and Andrew Child. Thanks so much, guys.
2: Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you.